All right, folks. So today we are going to be talking about how to navigate a relationship where one of you is polyamorous and one of you is monogamous. So we're going to jump into it. Stay tuned. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that like cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. Here at Touch of Flavor, we teach non-monogamous folks how to overcome their obstacles and build thriving relationships. This podcast is about answering one question. How do you create loving, passionate, secure relationships outside the box, even if nothing has ever worked before? If you want to know the answer, you are in the right place. All of this information is 100% free. So please subscribe to and review our podcast. All right, everybody. So we're really excited about today's topic. We wanted to jump in and we wanted to talk about poly-mono relationships, relationships where one person is monogamous, one person is polyamorous. And we're excited to hop in about this. You know, we did an episode, well, we, we talk about this kind of here and there, obviously, a, a good bit. But the last time we did, I think, a full episode on this was over 100 episodes ago. Is that right? Yes. Almost hard to believe it's been over 100 episodes, but yes, it has been around there, yeah. And it's been almost 100 episodes, I and mean, you know, we were just thinking about this, and we really wanted to do an update because, you know, when we had put that first episode out, so it's, it's really good, lots of people have found it really helpful, but we had, at the time, you know, really just kind of started seeing an influx of polymono folks into, um, into our, our client base, into our programs and what we do, and... Since then, um, we have dealt with it a whole lot more. And we were just looking and realizing, like, you know, there's so much more to say than we had in that first episode. And, you know, we said it and it's, it's spread out through our material between, you know, then and now. But we wanted to just do an update, centralize, put in one place and talk about how you can do this, how you can navigate these kinds of relationships if you find yourself in one. Right. And, you know, the truth of the matter is the reason this is so important is there's a lot of people out there in this situation. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But the truth of the matter is, even though there's a ton of people out there in, in this situation, there are not many people talking about this or talking about it with any more than it doesn't work or talking about it from any place of experience whatsoever. Right. And on our side of things, we deal with this more than anybody else does. You know, a third of our clients who come through who we work with, you'd say about a third? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, about a third. I know we'd said a fourth and Before. it was a fourth, yeah, yeah when we first it's, talked it's, about it's, it. But it's a it's about a third now. Yeah. So about a third of our clients are in this place of polymono. So we've helped dozens of people through this at this point. And it's a topic that is there's a lot of people there. There's not a lot of information. The information that is out there sucks. And, you know, it's really, uh, really a space that needs some help and some advice. So we'd wanted to jump back into it today, do an update and lay out for you. If you are in this kind of relationship, what does that mean? And what do you do? Okay, so Cassie, can you define polymono relationship for people? Like, what do we mean when we're saying polymono? So... It's any time where you have a relationship where one person is polyamorous and, and really people use this even just 
non-monogamous. Maybe you're not necessarily someone who's like entwined with romantic relationships, but you are non-monogamous. You are someone who has that need for multiple relationships of various kinds. And then another person who is monogamous. And what that relationship is, a poly-mono relationship, is where those two people are consenting for that relationship to be that way. And so with poly-mono, right, we see this a lot in situations where, and again, we're going to talk about how people wind up here, but couples who have been together a long time, they wind up in the situation, one person's polyamorous, one person's monogamous, they don't know how to navigate it. And the other thing I'll throw in here, Cassie, while it isn't poly-mono, I see a lot of the same problems in people where there's a big difference in the non-monogamy. So just as an example, you know, you might have one person who's like, well, I'm, I'm willing to like hook up with somebody time to time or have a threesome, but I am not okay with my partner actually having romantic relationships with other people. As one of our clients defined it, it was poly-monogamish. Yeah. relationship poly monogamish <laughs> so it's going to be the same problems and if you're there you can listen to this but for the sake of convenience and where a lot of people are we're going to talk about it in terms of poly mono for the rest of this right and i know cassie you like talking about just how looked down upon poly mono is and how bad the advice is well yeah um first off like it's it's really it's kind of two parts, right? There's the outside, which, you know, the muggles will always say negative things about non-monogamy and things like that. But in polymono situations, it's even worse, right? It's like your partner's taking advantage of you. How could this happen? Et cetera, et cetera. But the bigger issue is how it's looked down upon within our own communities. Um, in the non-monogamous polyamorous communities, polymono is often look down as like, well, you know, the one partner isn't woke or you're taking advantage of this person or et cetera, et cetera. But the biggest thing that folks say is it just can't work. It's unethical. And a lot of the advice that's put out there is either A, make your partner be poly, right? Like make your partner be polyamorous or break up, or you should be monogamous with your partner. It's almost like this, like, you can't do this thing. You can't do it half seas. You got to figure out one or the other. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say funny. Funny isn't the right word. It's like sad funny because the truth of the matter is, you know, when you look and like Cassie talked about, you know, you expect bad advice from the monogamous communities. You get that whether both of you are non-monogamous, whether one of you is non-monogamous, whether you're thinking about non-monogamy, whether whatever, hell, you get it, you know, you get it all the time. Like you get bad, well, you get bad advice. But as Cassie said, the thing is you get so much bad advice in the non-monogamous community as well. And don't get me wrong, you get bad advice in the non-monogamous communities all the time as well too. Like even if you are both poly or all of you are poly or whatever it looks like, like there's plenty of bad advice floating around out there. But what's unique about polymono is there's a lot of stuff floating around that says this just doesn't work. Like just give up, just break up. Like your partner's unenlightened. Like Cassie said, they're not woke. They don't get it. They're not evolved. You know, it's impossible. Break up with them. And the thing about it that is just blows my mind is that people say this, but polymono relationships 
are incredibly common. And this is one thing I think that we've really come to realize since the first time we did this episode and as we've talked to, you know, thousands and thousands of more people one-on-one, as we've interacted with people, as we've had more clients, as we've been doing this longer, is just how much, how many people are in this situation. And, you know, I, I would hesitate to say, Cassie, we haven't talked about this, but do you think it's growing? I think it's kind of growing as the general... Um, knowledge and awareness of non-monogamy is growing? Like, what's your take on that? Yes, I think that it's growing because you have folks who are discovering that this is an option after being monogamous for years and years and years, right? So it's becoming more known that non-monogamy is an option. And then now there is a whole group of people who are recognizing this while being in partnerships where their partner is and them and their partners have been monogamous. And there is that decision of how do we navigate this? So, and, and well, and that kind of leads into, so why, like, why is this so common and why do people wind up here? And I think this is actually a really important thing for people to grasp um, is, is why folks wind up because this can be very confusing for people. It can be confusing for the monogamous person. It can be confusing for the polyamorous person. It can be confusing for, again, the community as a whole and everybody else around you. But, you know, these things really, when you think about it, a lot of them are really obvious as to why people wind up in this situation. Right. Um, and like I said, and, and usually this is an established relationship. Like this is a relationship people have been in five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And somebody's now like, I'm polyamorous and I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't be monogamous. I can't not be who I am. So why do people wind up there? You want to start laying some things out, Cass? You want me to start? Um, I can start. Okay. And, and just to kind of piggyback off of what I was starting to say, right? A lot of times they discover this after they've been in this relationship for a long time. This wasn't necessarily something that was... Or And, and when I'm saying discovering, it, it might not have even been that they didn't know or they didn't have a draw. It is that they didn't know it was actually an option. Well, that just really like takes people for an absolute loop, right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's this, oh, wait, this thing that I've had inside of me or that I've been wondering about or that I've been thinking about for years. Well, whoo, like this is actually something I can do. And so that happens. But also with being in that relationship for so long, they start to realize that they've been unhappy, they've been unsatisfied, and they can't stay this way. So, so and a couple, couple things I want to spell out from that, right? First off, which is when you're talking about unhappy and unsatisfied, what you don't mean is I'm unhappy and unsatisfied here, so now I need to find somebody else. That never works well. Mm-hmm. We can talk a little more about that later, yeah. right? But you're saying I realize that I've been unsatisfied because I am non-monogamous that this is a part of me right and there is an a not i'm not fulfilling that part of me not that this relationship sucks and i'm unhappy and i need to find someone else but there is something in me that's missing well and so and and there's kind of two sides of that right there's the people who you know they discover maybe and and maybe this isn't something that you've known for a long time maybe this is something that you just discover like one day you're just like holy crap this is me right like this is who i am this is what i need I'm not going to be happy without this. And then sometimes maybe that you've, you're in the situation where, or it has been sitting in the background for a long time, right? Where you felt like you're non-monogamous and you've been kind of thinking, you've been kind of wondering. And like now people hit a point where they're like, holy crap, like I can't keep doing this. I can't keep going through not living 
who I am. And then you also have the people, Cassie, who they know they're non-monogamous before going into the relationship, but they go into it anyways. Yes. And the problem here is that it's this idea of, well, we have a great relationship. I love my partner. I can do this. I can, I can put this aside. I can put this thing off, off and, and just be happy here and, and do that. And this is like a lot of things in life. When we have something that is a part of who we are, eventually, if we keep kind of pushing it aside, eventually we recognize that we can't live without it, right? Like if there's things that we, that is a part of who we are, you can only put that off for so long. And it's people who really genuinely think they can stay monogamous. Like, hey, I'm going to go into this relationship. And yeah, like, I, I love this person. They, they're monogamous. Like, cool, I can do this. And then at some point in time, and sometimes it's years and years down the road, they realize that they can't, right? They can't do it. They can't be happy. They can't be fulfilled in that and go through not being who they are. And then there's one more category here that I would throw in. Um, and I don't see this nearly as much, but I also see people who I talk to who I'm like, this has never been a monogamous relationship. And these are relationships where they're supposedly monogamous, but one person has never actually been monogamous in that relationship. And a lot of times both people know it. And it's mm -hmm. been like, there's been this like on again, off again, cheating for years and years and years and years and years. And so it's never been consensually monogamous, but it's also never actually been a monogamous relationship either. So those are kind of the main categories I see is people who they discovered after years of being together, they've always known they're not monogamous, but they thought they could, or they, they knew it before getting into the relationship, but they thought they could stay monogamous mm -hmm. in this relationship and then they realized they can't. Or like I said, occasionally, and I don't see it nearly as often, but it's people who this has never actually been yeah. monogamous and it should be pretty clear to everybody by now that this has never been a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so those are kind it's of the never been a consensually not monogamous relationship. It's been a non-consensually not monogamous relationship. Yeah. Um, so with that, okay. So lots of people wind up here. And then, you know, there's obviously a really harmful myth that gets thrown at people when you are in this situation. And again, it gets thrown at you no matter who's talking to you, whether it's from other non-monogamous people or whether it is people who are monogamous, that this absolutely can't work. And what do you hear people say in that, Cassie? I know you have a lot of these conversations too. Um, you know, a lot of times it goes like, well... Two people from so different places can't make it work. You can't make, you know, two people who have very, very different morals or ideas. And it turns into this thing that you and your partner are just way too different to be together, that you can't bridge that kind of big incompatibility. And so I want to acknowledge where there is truth in that, right? Which is left unresolved this is absolutely an incompatibility like if this does not get resolved yes this is an incompatibility and it, it it's an incompatibility by the way like right now right and i just want to take a moment here so but but it's also bull because these relationships can work and do work 
all the time. And we see it in our own clients. We see it in other people. Like this is the place a lot of non-monogamous relationships start is in couples who have been together for a, a long period of time. So it's absolute bull and it absolutely can work and it absolutely can be done beautifully. Right. But it is hard. And, and I want to talk about some of the challenges that arise when you're in the situation. And first, just talking about how difficult it is, like how difficult it is for both people who find themselves in this situation. In the situation of polymono or in the situation of being told it can't work? Um, well, I mean, they're the same people. They find themselves in the situation of being polymono. Yeah. So um, the the challenges come in of not knowing how to bridge things. You know, it, it becomes a challenge because a lot of times that mono person, because they are monogamous minded, feel inadequate, feel like they're not good enough, feel like they're um, not valued. And for the polyamorous person, a lot of times a lot of guilt comes in. Mm. Like, why can't I just be monogamous? I love this person. I want to make this work. Why can't I just be the the partner that they need me to be, right? The 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 the, mo the mono partner they need me to be. Well, and they're caught between that place of guilt and seeing their partner hurt and struggle. And at the other end of it, um, at the other end of it, the side of feeling like they aren't being who they really are and of hurting and of them hurting themselves, right? And that's really difficult. And and also, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge because I think this is something that the non-monogamous community does not do, which is ridiculous. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge how difficult this is for the monogamous person in a relationship. Because here's the thing. This is the position that if you are the monogamous person in this relationship, you find yourself in, which is you have a relationship. You've gone into this relationship with, with agreements, with a set of rules on how this is going to look and what this is going to be. And you've invested time and energy and money and emotion. And now you are, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, however long. And your partner is changing the rules of the game. And you're finding yourself in a situation where through no fault of your own, I mean, really not of your partner's either, but, but through no fault of your own, you're in a spot where your entire life, your entire relationship is all of a sudden getting turned on its head. Right. And I just I want to acknowledge like if that is you and you are there, I want you to know that that is a very difficult place to be. And it is absolutely OK to be struggling in that. Yeah, it is. It is not an easy place. And as you said, you know, there's all this investment that you put into it. And a big part of that is what you thought was going to be your future like what your future looks like. And now all of that is being questioned. All of that is shifting. And that is really, really scary. So what do we see happen when people wind up in this? So you're, you're in a situation, you've been in a relationship for many years, and now you discover that you're non-monogamous. And, and when I say you discover you're non-monogamous, kind of the barrier that I use for this is this isn't something that would just be nice. This is something that I need. Because if it's just something that would be nice and it's going, you have an established relationship, it's going to upend it, make your partner miserable, throw your family's future into the balance. You know, obviously, if it's just like, hey, it would be fun to go screw somebody, you probably leave that alone in this specific situation. If you have the conversation, your partner's not okay with it, mm -hmm. right? But for a lot of people, this is not something that they can just put down. It's something that 
they want, that they need, right? This is something that if they don't have it, they're going to feel unhappy. They're going to feel unfulfilled. They're going to feel like they're missing a piece of themselves. That's really the difference here. It's almost like, and it's a bit of a crude comparison, but it's kind of the best, (laughs) the best one I have. It's almost like an orientation, right? It's like having somebody who discovers that they're you know, they, they prefer women. You're like, but couldn't you just have men though? Like, wouldn't that be like just as good? Cassie, wouldn't that be just as good? No, no, it wouldn't. Are you sure? Yes, I am 110% sure. Right. And just listen. And again, it's, it's an imperfect comparison, but if you think of it that way, you'll be on the right track because it's somebody who feels like, sure, they could, I mean, obviously Physically, they physically could make the decision to just have one partner, but they're also going to be unhappy. They're going to be unfulfilled. They're going to feel like they're not being true to themselves, like something's missing. Right. So when people find themselves there, what happens? The first thing I'll let you talk about this if you want to, Cassie. But the first thing is the person who realizes that they're not monogamous is scared and they just sit on it and don't bring it up. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about it. And then what happens there is the polyamorous person. Well, they start to get resentful because we're not talking about this. We're not making movement. You're just shutting down. I don't feel validated because you're not actually listening to anything I'm saying. And a lot of resentment starts to build. So so one thing that'll happen is, is the, the polyamorous person, a lot of times they just won't bring it up for a long, long, long time. And then maybe they will bring it up. They'll hint around about it, whatever, and then that conversation will go really poorly, and then they sit on it some more for, for a long period of time, right? But there's, there's a couple situations that people tend to run into. One is they don't bring it up, and they just sit on it and stuff it. The second is they bring it up, it goes poorly, then they sit on it and stuff it. The third is they bring it up, they talk to their partner, and they, they wind up going in circles, they wind up arguing, and a lot of times it turns into this perpetual thing, either where like we're arguing, we're making no progress, or, and I see this all the time, we're supposedly opening up. Like I've told my partner, hey, I want this, I need this, I'm not gonna be happy, I'm gonna be resentful. My partner agrees, in air quotes, that that's what's going to happen, but now we're six months, a year, two years, five years down the road, and we haven't actually been able to make any progress because we just, you know, we just keep going around and around and around in circles. We're, we're still waiting to schedule that conversation. Or just, just to get stuff nailed down. Mm-hmm. We right? just got just gotta figure it all out first. And then the last piece that we see is, is sometimes people will open it up and it goes really poorly. And then a lot of times they'll shut it up. They'll shut down again. Right? Or they'll, you know, they'll they'll decide to stop. But this is the problem, and this is what happens. I want you to really understand because this is absolutely critical. At the end of the day, there's three camps. So, you know, that, that's kind of the, the different paths that people take, the sitting, the not talking, the talking in circles. But at the end of the day, there's three paths that it's really possible for the situation to take from here. Okay. The first is that this is something you want to need. You keep stuffing it down. You keep getting resentful. And, and we like to pretend that resentment's a dirty word, but really resentment, it just means I'm not getting what I want and need to be happy because of you. And it's not a dirty word. It's a perfectly natural thing. But as we sit there and as we continue to not get what we want to need and feel like we're sacrificing and feel like we're missing out and feel like we're going through life not being ourselves and being inauthentic and not really living and not getting what we want to need, that resentment builds and that resentment poisons everything that's good 
in our existing relationship. Do you want to stack on that? Um, I was going to say the thing with resentment is it becomes the dirty thing when you don't handle it. When you have that like recognition of I am unhappy because there's this thing that I feel is standing in our way. If you don't address it, then it becomes the dirty thing because then you have that, that nasty, unhappy feeling towards your partner that's consistent and grows and festers. But if you acknowledge it and you're like, oh, I'm going to do something about this and we're going to change this, then the resentment doesn't have to be a, you know this negative thing. It can be actually just a, a good piece of awareness for you. So that, that that's the one thing is you don't explore the non-monogamy. You get resentful. It poisons the relationship. It leads to fights. It leads to arguing. It leads to disconnection. It leads to talk about breaking up. It leads to all these things. That's the first thing. The second thing that we see is people wind up cheating. And... I want to say right off the bat here, I'm not saying this to excuse cheating and breaking trust. Like we are dead set against it. It's an absolute no, no. Like if you find yourself in a situation where your agreements are working for you, it's your responsibility to change them before you do something else. Mm -hmm. But this is just a fact that a lot of people, if they wind up in this situation long enough, they do wind up cheating. It's like, okay, look, this is what I want. This is what I need. I can't be happy. And if I'm just not going to get anywhere with my partner, if it's going to hurt them so much to even have these conversations, it would just be easier to do it and not tell them. I don't, I don't know if we really need to go into the damage that cheating causes. Do you? It's bad. It's awful. It destroys your relationships. That's it. Don't do that. Right. So that's, that's, that's one place that it goes. So, and then the last place that it goes. So like I said, these are, these are kind of the places that things wind up. If you don't resolve things, resentment, cheating. The other place is that people will agree. Partners will agree. Like, you know, they'll see their partner upset. They'll see their partner hurting. They'll see the resentment growing. They'll see the damage that's doing the risk that's coming from that. And they will agree to open up the relationship even though they don't know how, even though there's no tools, even though they feel really bad about it and they don't know how to manage that, um, even though they have no idea how to make it work. And then this is when you wind up with like those non-monogamy horror stories of things, right? Where people are, are feeling super jealous. People feel like they're being replaced. You know, you're like going to bed crying, like you're arguing all the time, like your partner's going out to, like this is where all of that stuff comes in is people open up without being prepared and that leads to a jealousy it leads to insecurity it leads to a bunch of hard feelings and usually in that jealousy that insecurity those hard feelings the arguing and fighting and the disconnection that comes from that with your existing partner you wind up pushing them away and now they have a new partner for you to push them closer to so it turns into this vicious cycle where you don't know how to manage the feelings around opening up your relationship. So you're super and jealous and insecure. So you're pushing your partner further away. Now you're pushing them further away, like almost into this other person's arms because they have this other partner who things are maybe going great with. And now you're feeling even more jealous and insecure. Yeah. And that just builds and builds and builds. And, and usually there comes a breaking point in that where things have to stop. And it was the proof that this can't work. Right. It ends up being this 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 situation where now we see it and we're like, well, obviously opening up can't work. 
and us being poly, you know, us being monogamous together isn't working. So what do we do? We got to break up. Well, and, and this is the thing. It, it really, it's two, two spots, right? It either winds up in, in directly in the relationship not working because of the jealousy and insecurity, the pushing away, all the damage that causes, right? Or like you said, what happens is it becomes the reason of, well, there's hard feelings. This can't work. Now there's an ultimatum. Now the relationship's closed. And now we're back to that resentment building until something finally does explode. Right. You know, we had a couple of clients here. Um, they did a, a, a testimonial for us a while back and, and a story and a video so I can use their names. But it was um, who were the people where he thought they were done with non-monogamy for like Elizabeth two years? And ben. Right. No, it was. Um, uh, it's slipping my mind. Mm, I'm going to have to look. I'm going to have to look it up. But we had a couple of clients where and the names are slipping the faces aren't the story isn't but the names are slipping my mind at the moment but where you know they had gone into a situation where they had gone into the non-monogamy it had gone really and you're probably getting confused because there's so many of these but they gone into the non-monogamy it had gone really poorly right and he had thought they were done and she didn't think they were done and like two years later she reconnected with somebody and that's when he found out like they weren't done david and brandy Yes. David yes, and Brandy. Yes. Right? So <laughs> that's where it goes. And here's the thing, folks. And I just want to throw it into you. Like, and, you know, it's easy to look at this and go, well, there's hard feelings that come up. Like, well, of course, of course, it has a tendency to go poorly. Like, of course, it isn't easy to make this work. Right? You're talking about turning the way you've done your relationship for God knows how many years, however long you've been together, but also quite likely... You know, especially for the monogamous person in the relationship, the way you have done relationships your whole lives, right? 30, 40, 50, 60 years, all the role models you've ever had, all the programming you've ever had, everything you've been shown about what good relationships looks like, all the skills that you've learned about how to have a monogamous relationship, you're turning all of that on its head. And of course, of course, that's difficult. But it doesn't mean stuff can't work. It can work, but those are the places that it tends to go if it doesn't, right? Resentment, like I said, that winds up poisoning things, the cheating, or people consenting to try it even when they know it's going to go badly, and then no shit, it goes badly, right? Those are the places that it goes if you don't address it and you don't go about it the right way. So the myth, Cassie, is that it can't work, and it doesn't work, and polyamorous relationships are doomed, 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 right? To quote Gurr. <laughs> From Invader Zim, for anybody who doesn't know where that... Dumb, dumb. Just feel like a nerd now. Okay. So, um, but with that, what's the truth, Cassie? That it can be bridged just like any other incompatibility, any other challenge. This is something that can be worked on as a team and overcome. Right. You know, we have people come to us all the time and they're like, what situations does this work? What situations does this not work in? And, you know, our experience generally is that unless there's some kind of huge overriding thing going on, and the only thing that really comes to mind for me mm -hmm. is religious beliefs, mm -hmm. right? Like if somebody has like really strong moral objections to the non-monogamy that they are unable and unwilling, it's really more unwilling than unable, to work through, Right. And that is that belief is more important than making change. It's 
possible to navigate this kind of situation. And I, I got to tell you, you know, even with that, we've had people come through. We've had, I know, a, a couple of like Mormon couples come through and we've worked with and that kind of thing. And, you know, even there, as long as it's even with the religious stuff, as long as it's possible or as long as people are willing to look at a shift, it's possible. But other than that, folks, like, like I said, other than there being some like huge, weird, overarching thing going on, these kinds of relationships can be navigated just like any anything else, just like all the other incompatibilities that you bridge in a relationship. I'm thinking of our clients a while back. You remember the ones who uh, they graduated here recently? I'm not going to say names because I don't mm-hmm. I don't think they've given them, but with the kids who had been through the thing, the incompatibility around the kids. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Can you tell people that story? Yeah. So he was polyamorous, and she's the non, you know she's monogamous. And they have been talking about opening up the relationship and they were like, you know, we've never done anything like this before. We've never bridged a gap like this. And then when we had the conversation, they had a huge, huge incompatibility. One that's like one of the biggest incompatibilities that you can have, which is, do we have kids or do we not? One of them wanted children, the other did not. And they were able to work through that before. This was before working with us. They were able to figure that out. And that is such a huge, huge incompatibility. Like you you can't split a baby, right? Like you can't do that. Honestly, and and what, what I told them, I said that that to me is a bigger incompatibility than this. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like you said, you you can't you can't split the baby. You can't <laughs> split the baby with kids. Like you have kids or you don't have kids, mm-hmm. right? With this though, it's entirely possible for one person to be polyamorous and one person be monogamous. So it is not easy to bridge that. And I'm not going to pretend it is. Like I said, you're talking about doing the way you've turned your relationship, probably all the skills you have, everything completely on its head. It is not an easy journey, but it can be done and it can be bridged just like other incompatibilities in your relationship. Because here's the truth of this. And this kind of, a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their heads around this. But this is a, a vital thing to understand because I think this is where a lot of that from the, the non-monogamous communities of like, this can't work, comes from. If I'm monogamous and my partner is non-monogamous, the goal isn't, well, the goal might be, but I don't have to get to a place where I'm happy with the fact that she's non-monogamous. I don't have to get to a place where I am happy with her seeing other people. I don't have to get to a place that I'm happy with that. I know for a fact that we have clients that we have worked with for a couple of years who still aren't happy that their partners are non-monogamous. But what they are is they're okay with it. They're secure. They feel good in their relationship. And they've gotten to the place where they are happy in the relationship with their partner being happy and with their connection and how their relationship is going. They're not happy that their partner is non-monogamous. They're not jumping up and down and thrilled, but they are happy with the relationship and they are fulfilled in the the relationship that they have with their partner, with their partner being able to be who they are and them being able to be who they are. Yeah. You don't have to be happy about it. You don't have to like it. I guarantee you that there are a hundred things about your partner that you do not like and that you tolerate for the sake of the relationship as a whole and the love and connection that you get from it, the life that you build together, all of that. I mean. I'm waiting. No, nothing. There There is is absolutely (laughs) nothing there. Um, 
So, how can I put this? Cassie is a little bit of a clean freak, germaphobe. I'll, I'll just draw the line there. Yeah, I am not a germaphobe. I am cleanly and risk aware. Mm-hmm. Risk aware in ways that is incredibly irritating, especially if you want to like be in the kitchen cooking with her. Don't be in my kitchen. Or something like that. Yeah, just stay out of my kitchen. Right. Um, or having conversations about babies and things babies do because everybody knows babies and germs kind of go hand in hand. Like, but you, so, and or, I'm, or, you know, what about you? What, 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 uh, I mean, I, I was sure you're going to say something about peanut butter or something. I don't know. You say that all the time. Oh, I always talk about the peanut butter. I mean, also like, you know, you're, you're, you're like super, like you're, you've, okay. You've acknowledged that you have like some ADHD stuff on the podcast. So I'm not like doubting you. So just a bit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not easy having a partner who like you're trying to have a conversation about this thing and they've had like eight other conversations in the middle of it. Right. Because like, you know, that might be a thing. Yeah. So we all have things about our partners that we we don't, we're not happy about that we would like to change. But we find a path. We find a path forward into figuring out how to bridge that. And yet for some reason, when it comes to our to romantic relationships, we treat it like that's different. And if you're there, I'd have you ask yourself, why? I mean, just because people have told you that it is? Like, legitimately, why? It doesn't have to be any different. You can bridge just the same. Yeah, and when you're saying, like, that we would like to change is more of, like, if we could, Mm -hmm. we would. If we could like snap our fingers and that would not change who our partner was or negatively impact them, et cetera, et cetera, we would. But this is the same thing. When you're in this situation where one of you is poly and the one is monogamous, you get to a place of recognizing that this is a part of who they are and you can either accept that and learn to be okay and in agreement around it. Or you could lose somebody because of that one thing that would be nice if it was gone. And I know that that people are like, but it's so different. Like we talk about my partner going out and like being with someone and spending time with someone else. And I know you have an example here that you you like to give. Do you just want to lay that out for folks about like the hobbies, the gym, like that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, the the truth is, is that, I mean... I used to call your the gym your other mistress for a while. No, you used to call my work my other mistress. Yeah, well, that's true too. That, that was, um, it was never the gym; it was my work. Well, it was that it was that that period of time where you decided to do the boxing thing. On a complete side note, <laughs> it's probably a good idea to consult your partner before you decide to sign up for a cage fight in six months, and now you have to do like a crazy training regimen. Go ahead. Every day. Every day training management. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So, but anyway, okay, except for that. It, yeah. So, but it's it's this thing. That's that, actually a really good example, though. Do tell. How is that a good? Well, example? no. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was it was something you were pretty unhappy about. It was something I was very unhappy about. Um, I would say this would be the way not to do poly <laughs> motto. So, I'm gonna give me a second to twist this around. Okay. So here's the thing, right? Josh goes to the gym all the time. Well, pre-COVID. Right now, you actually built a gym, you know, with COVID and everything in the house. But 
Josh used to go to the gym constantly. And like, it's really important to him and it makes him fulfilled and it makes him happy. And honestly, I'm not a gym person. And it took time away from me and him spending time together. Like that took time out of, out of, out of our time being able to spend together, especially when you were working a job where you didn't have a lot of free time. Mm. There was a little bit of time that he had that was free time. And I was sharing it with the gym, right? You make it sound like I spend way more time at the gym than I do. (laughs) You went to the gym several times a week and, and the travel and all of that. It was like, because we, and we also live in the middle of nowhere. So there's travel. So it was not an insignificant portion of your awake, awake free time that you had. Awake free time. Yes, I'll agree with yes. that. There you go. That's it was fair. a significant portion of your awake free time. And so, yes, that took time away from us being able to hang out, right? And for those of you who are like, oh, you could go to the gym. I could. We're not going to get into that. That's going to derail this whole conversation of why I would not go to Josh's, like, Jiu-Jitsu gym. So anyway, but the point being is that at the end of the day, it's something that was healthy for Josh. It was something that he needed to be a healthy, thriving person. Exercise, you, I know you. I know that that is something that you need. And I, regardless of, of liking that or not liking that, because there's plenty of times I didn't like it. Like, hey, you only had a couple of hours to be home this weekend and I know that you're spending a couple of it doing this other thing. It doesn't feel great. It's not wonderful. But being able to move past that and recognize that our partners have things that they need and want that may impact us, right? But it's about trying to make the time that we do have, you know, full of quality and our relationship sound. Now, going into the boxing thing and all the time, the whole point that I'm going to bring this around to is that you can do those things and you can make those things work, but you want to make sure that you're actually talking to your partner and taking the steps and having the understandings before just hopping in and doing things and blowing it up. Yeah. So with that, and you're incredibly <laughs> supportive in that, and I appreciate that regardless. So with that, though, um, here, here's what I want you to take away. So like I said, the, the myth here, the, the thing that people will tell you, and this is the thing, and listen, I, I want you to understand And we keep going back to this myth that's out there that this cannot work. If you accept that, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy either because you're like, well, this relationship can't work. I can't be happy and healthier, so I leave. Or it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're like, well, it can't work, so I'm just going to stuff this down. You do that until you have ruined everything that used to be good in your relationship. Right? And listen, and I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic here i'm magnifying a little bit but not much right it really is if over a period of time that resentment that feeling unfulfilled that feeling like your partner is keeping you from living your life from being who you are it builds and it builds and it builds into a cycle and we see it over and over and over again right it's just how long that process takes so if you buy that, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you need to understand is it absolutely can work. We see it work all the time. You can look at other areas of life and see places that you can bridge and do bridge things with your partner that would otherwise be incompatible. So it is entirely possible to wind up in a situation. You have a polyamorous relationship. The polyamorous person is able to be themselves, right? But then a monogamous person is still getting what they want and need, and you still have a thriving, secure relationship with each other. It isn't 
easy, but it is possible. And the first step of that is making a decision. And I want to talk about this because when you are in a place where you are in a relationship and you discover that one of you is polyamorous and the other person is monogamous, you have exactly three options. Okay? There are only three. The first is what we just talked about. I mean, it's you sit in that. You, you stuff that down or you... Maybe you don't stuff it down internally, but you sit in the conversations forever. You never actually explore that piece of yourself. And you keep getting more and more resentful until something in the relationship blows up. To me, that is really the only wrong answer out of these three is to kick the can down the road until things get much worse. And now you've done a lot more damage than needed to happen. Right? So you can do that. You can stuff it down. That's option one. Option two is you can break up. And that is a legitimate option. It is healthier than kicking that can down the road until things get really bad and then breaking up. But also, I got to assume that for most people, that's not what you, what you want. You don't want to lose your partner, lose your future, lose your family. If you're married, go through a divorce. You know, put your kids in a broken home. Like You don't want to do that. Right. The only other option that exists is you commit to doing whatever it takes to heal. Well, heal isn't the right word to navigate this, to bridge this incompatibility and to find a path forward where you are able, where, where the non-monogamous person is able to be themselves, but you are both able to get what you want and need from this relationship and to thrive. And to do that before giving up, to say, hey, listen, even if, you, even if you have a hard time believing that it's possible and seeing a path to go, you know what? I don't want to sit on this and watch things go down the tubes. I don't want to break up. So what I'm committed to doing or we're committed to doing, depending on the situation, is to figuring out, doing everything we can to make this work, to finding a path where we do bridge that gap and where we are both happy and healthy and we have this cloud over our heads and Everybody's being themselves, but we're secure and we're in love and we're getting what we want and we need from this relationship. Is there anything that you want to add to that? No, I think it's, it's, those are the options. That's what you, you, you can choose to do. And here's the other piece that I want to throw into this. And this is something else I don't think we talked about the first time. And this has to do with who is looking to make that change. And this is the hard truth of this. Sometimes, if you are the non-monogamous person, your partner will not be willing to take that third option with you. Your partner will not be willing to do the work with you to try and see what can be done here to make this work before giving up. And the reason for that is really simple. They don't want you to be non-monogamous, right? There's lots of situations where, where people, you know, you have a partner and, you know, you feel like you're non-monogamous and that's what you want and that's what you need. And, you know, depending on who they are and how they were raised, they simply don't see that as a valid need. And their answer to it isn't to try and find a path forward into that, right? Their answer to that is stop it. 
Stop being who you are. Stop needing that. That's wrong. It's wrong of you to want that thing. It's wrong of you to need that thing. I'm not going to humor that. I'm not going to give that space. Stop it. And by default, they're kind of stuck in that option one, that sitting on things until it gets worse and worse because they don't see it that way, right? What they see it as, this is staying the way that it should be. You don't have anything to get resentful about. You don't have anything to be unfulfilled about. This is exactly what people need and what you should need. And things aren't getting any worse. And if you are in that place where that is where your partner is at, it's important to realize that, again, you still have those three options. You have those exact same three to break up, to sit in that and watch things get worse, or now in this case, to by yourself decide to step up and advocate for yourself and what you need and who you are and to do that with compassion and love and to try and find a path forward to bridge that where it can still work. But the mistake we see a lot of people make is that if their partner isn't in a place where they're willing to do the work, the monogamous person isn't in a place where they're willing to do the work, they sit on it. We don't see this with the monogamous person. The monogamous person, if their partner doesn't want to do the work, they're like, I know they're poly. I know I need to sort through my emotions and figure out how to deal with this. And I was going to say, and, and it's funny because a lot of times, you know, I'm going to give a little props for the monogamous folks in the room, right? A lot of times the polyamorous community doesn't know that. There's a lot of monogamous folks out there that are like, I don't see something bad or evil about my partner doing this. I just, I can't get through this. And I know I need to fix it. So a lot of times they're they're even more motivated than the polyamorous person. Sometimes they come to us themselves without yep. their partners. We've, we've had quite a few clients who have come who are the monogamous partner and they're like, I want to work on this and and build, you know, my my faith in my relationship, my ability to deal with my emotions, because I know that like my partner is a good person and needs this thing and I need to grow so that way we can make this work. Yeah. And so uh, just if you're there, understand that if your partner is in that place where they don't see this as a valid want and need for you, you still have these three choices. You still can break up. You still can sit on it and watch it get worse, or you can choose to work on it. In this case, you're choosing on your own to work on it and to say, I'm going to advocate for what I want, for what I need, to do everything and to give this a chance to actually work and for us to actually get to a place where this relationship between us can work. And we have plenty of people come to us in that space, right? Where they're the monogamous person. I look, we have all three ends of the spectrum. We have couples come, we have a lot of that. We have sometimes the monogamous person comes, sometimes we have the polyamorous person come. But it's just important to realize that if you are polyamorous and you are letting your partner choose that first option for you, you are choosing to watch things get worse. And here's what I want you to understand. When I say that there are only three options, I want you to understand that if you are in this situation, you are always choosing one of those three. And what I mean by that is not doing anything is choosing option one. Not doing anything, not working on this, not trying to sort through this. Um, that is the choosing to sit and watch yourself get more resentful and watch things get worse and worse and worse. And as I said, that's the only option that really shouldn't be one. Um, what would you also say, Cassie, to the people who are like, because the other side of that, again, is the guilt and the, the people who are like, I should just get over this in myself. So I'm just going to eat this. Like, I'm just going to deal with this. I'm just going to deal with being unhappy, unfulfilled, because I should just get over this because this, you know, this is wrong of me to want, or it's wrong of me to put my partner through this when I, you know, especially if I promise them a monogamous relationship going to this. What would you say to those people? So the first thing to just 
really put in context is, you know, how long have you been like this? If you've been suffering and this isn't something that you've been able to let go of, if you're having these feelings, most likely they're not just going to go away, right? Like if they were, if it was just like something that popped into your head, oh, you know, that'd be cool. Like it would have gone away by now. And recognizing that us as healthy humans, if we have something that we need, right, eventually there's going to be a breaking point. And the other thing is, is you are putting your partner through this. When you are resentful, when you are not being fully who you are, you do not show up in your relationships as your best self. Mm. And your relationship is going to suffer because of that. The connection is going to be less. The trust is going to be less. The overall happiness in your relationship is going to be less because when we are not truly who we are, we do not show up in our relationships in a way that makes our relationships thriving. It's just not possible. So really what you're doing is you're saying, well, you know, I should not do this to my partner. Well, you shouldn't do that to your partner either. You shouldn't put your partner through a, a subpar relationship because you can't face this and come at this from a place of we have to figure this out. And and the other thing I'd say to you is like, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with you if you're non-monogamous. And I know that can go against so much programming and maybe so much of how you've been raised, maybe even what your partner is saying to you, right? But there's nothing wrong with you. There's also nothing wrong with you if you want to be the monogamous one, by the way, right? So there's nothing wrong with you. and But it's important to understand that at the end of the day, like I get it and, and I get, and it's normal. Like if you're in a situation where you're changing the rules on your partner and you're watching them hurt and you're watching them suffer and you're watching the toll that's taking on your relationship, it's normal to want to be like, Hey, like, you know, maybe, maybe just, I won't like, maybe I will just stuff this down. Maybe I will, you know, maybe my partner's right. And this is something I just, I shouldn't want and I shouldn't need, but you have to realize. And I, I said this before, resentment is a perfectly normal, natural, like it's unavoidable. If, if you are in a spot where you feel like this is something, and again, not like, oh, this would be cool and fun, but like, this is who I am. This is what I need. I feel like I'm missing out. I feel like I'm being inauthentic. I feel like I'm not being myself. I feel like I can't be happy and fulfilled unless I explore this. You will get resentful. That will damage your relationship. So while I understand the, the desire to be like, I wish, I, I maybe I even wish I could go back to wanting to be monogamous. Like I wish I could go back to this being simple and not having these problems in my relationship. The longer you ignore the truth of the matter, the more problems that you're causing and the harder it's going to be to wind up in a spot where you come out the other side of this with a happy and healthy relationship with your partner. So here's the thing that I, I want you to realize. There is a lot of hope here. And I know, like I said, I know that that all the time, you know, there's all this bull crap floating around. We see this work every single day, right? It is 100% possible to be in a situation where you're yourself or your partner is themselves, but you're both getting what you want. You're both getting what you need. You're happy. You're fulfilled. You have all the amazing things that you had before this came up. And sometimes even more. I mean, we have clients who after this point, you know, I think of Chris and Lelly, right? We, mm. we have a testimony of them. Their relationship 
after the point of being able to navigate polymono is been even more fulfilling. They are happier. They are exciting. They're they're going on adventures because this this obstacle that has been plaguing their relationship for so long isn't there. So not only can you have the awesome things in your relationship, you can remove this weight that has been causing so much to be you know, heavy and difficult for so long. Well, and when your partner's in a spot where they're able to show up happy and fulfilled and who they really are as themselves, they have more to give, right? What's up? Oh, and I was going to say, and when you're not in a place where you're in circular conversations and arguing about things and ripping your hair out, you remove those things out of that whole equation, right? All of the stresses. And for a lot of folks that we talk to who are in this situation where they're They've been trying to figure this out. This has been something that has been causing a lot of stress in their relationship. But once you know how to navigate that, it leaves so much more room for all the good stuff. Yeah. So here's the thing. There is hope, but you know, it, it takes a couple of things, right? Number one, it takes realizing, like I said, that it is possible. Number two, it really takes sitting down and making that decision, like making that decision that... We're not going to let this fester. We're not going to let this get worse. We're not going to let the resentment build. We're going to do something about this and we're going to make this work. And that right there is the point that most people don't do. Most people sit in that and like I said, stuff it down and let what happens happen. And what happens happening is usually the relationship falling apart, right? So making that just that defiant commitment, that decision that we are going to make this relationship work is absolutely vital. And from that place, now it's figuring out how to make it work. And I want to spend just a second and talk about this because the truth is this is incredibly difficult to make work. Not because there's anything wrong with you, not because there's anything wrong with Palimano. It's just hard because what you're talking about, like I said, is turning the way you've done your relationship for years, usually the way at least one of you has done your relationships their whole life all of your programming, all of everything on top of its head. You're talking about a whole bunch of skills that you don't have. You're talking about a whole bunch of landmines that you don't know what to expect, right? And, you know, it isn't just about making the decision that, yes, we're doing this because so often, again, yes, we're doing this turns into, oh my God, like there's jealousy and insecurity and now stuff's, you know, arguing and falling apart, you know, two, three months into the non-monogamy side of things, right? You have to actually learn how to do it. And I would encourage any of you who are here, what I would say is that, What needs to happen here is simple. What needs to happen here is you need to realize it's possible. You need to make a decision not to sit on the problems and to move through this and to actually find a path forward. It's very simple in that way. But the actual finding the path forward, especially when this is something that you've never done before, where you've been running your relationship monogamous and you have all this built up stuff in the past of how you used to do things, of maybe the baggage you already have of all of these things, that is very difficult. And the first obstacle is overcoming making that decision. But the second obstacle where we see people fall is that that is incredibly difficult to navigate on your own. Being like, hey, we've been in this relationship 15 years and now all of a sudden we're opening it up. It's incredibly difficult. Most people do not come out the other side of their tra- of the, that transition without help, without support, without knowing how, without knowing what they need to change, what conversations to have, how to have them, how to navigate the feelings, how to make agreements where people are able to get their needs met and to actually navigate into this new reality. So if that's the place that you're finding and you're making that decision, 
to make this work, then you actually need to take the actions to make it work. And that means getting help. That means getting help to navigate this from people who have helped other folks navigate this many, many, many times before. And this very specific thing, Mm. not just making a relationship work, but this specific thing, because this is a very unique dynamic in, reg- in return as in regards to, you know, your relationships and the structure and making sure everyone is taken care of. So I just needed to add that specifically someone who knows how to navigate polymono. Yeah. Cause it, it takes, it takes information, like obviously the steps and the step-by-step that you need to do to open this, but it also takes support. It takes support to help create new agreements and to mediate in those things in this new future. It takes support to help navigating the feelings that are now coming up after opening our relationship up after how many years and the jealousy and insecurity is hitting, right? This is not an easy thing. So, you know, if you made that decision, like that is awesome and it's amazing, but to actually make this work, get help, like seek support from someone who has helped other folks through this exact challenge of opening up an established relationship, of helping, and not just even opening up an established relationship, but polymono, which is an even tighter subset of that, right? Where both of you don't want to open this up, it's only one of you. Like, find somebody who has helped lots of other people navigate that successfully and do what it takes to work with them and to get the help to make this work. Because this is, Again, this can be beautiful. This can be amazing. It is absolutely possible to find a future where you just aren't back to what you used to have before this became a problem, but to better than ever. But most people will not make that happen on their own. Um, If you would like our help with that, because obviously we do do this all the time, and I feel entirely confident saying that we help more people through this than anybody else (laughs) that I've ever heard of. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I said, this is a third of our clients. We deal with this all day, every day. There is always multiple people in our course who are going through this, mm-hmm. right? That we're working with. Um, if you want help with that, go to a touchoflavor.com forward slash talk. It'll take you to our calendar, grab up a spot. We can talk about what is going on. Um, you know, grab a time up on there, we'll hop on with you, and it will be the best time you've ever spent navigating through this and figuring out how to make that relationship work. And again, I will say this one more time, if you are the polyamorous person and you're in a spot where your partner would rather shelve this and is unwilling to work on it and wants to take that route of just letting this sit and faster and you get more resentful and things get worse, book that call yourself. Like we'd love to have you both here, but I'd rather have one person here than neither of you show up or one of you is dragging the other one kicking and screaming right? It is, you you can navigate this, you can do it on your own, but you you still have to be willing to take that step and to be like, I will not sit in this resentment and this hurt and this suffering any longer. And I'm going to do what it takes to turn things around here while there is still time and to build that beautiful, beautiful life. And it can be so beautiful. Like our our clients, like I said, the, the people that we have helped through this before are in a spot where like they are absolutely thriving because They're able to be themselves, but to have each other and have that love and that connection and to get their needs met and have that security and really get to a place where, like I said, like we were talking about earlier, it just becomes one of those things that some people are thrilled with it and some people it never gets there. And some people it's like, you know what? I mean, still, like, I'd prefer this not to be, but it's here. And guess what? We have a great relationship anyways. And that's what needs to happen. Anything else you want to throw in, Cassie? No, I think that that sums it up that, you know, we're at a place where I'm okay. You know, the monogamous person is okay. And because our relationship is so amazing, we're great. 
we're great and I'm okay with you being you. And if you want to get to that place, definitely book a call with us. Yeah. Like I said, at touchflare.com forward slash talk, grab a time on the calendar. There's a little application after that. Fill it out. It has some information we need and we'll hop on with you and we'll talk and we'll figure out a path forward and how to bridge this gap and how to make that work. All right. We will see you all here next time. And until then, have a great week. Thanks for tuning into today's show. We release new episodes every week, so make sure to subscribe. If you're ready to transform your relationship and you'd like to see if you're a fit to work with us, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about an hour and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. What's really not working in your relationships, what your dream relationships would look like, and a step-by-step plan to close the gap and save your family even if nothing has worked before. We talk with hundreds of non-monogamous folks like you every year. And here's the truth. Building loving, thriving relationships, that doesn't happen on its own. You need expert guidance to make that happen. And unfortunately, when you are building relationships outside the box, that's impossible to find. And we get it. But that's exactly what we do. We've helped clients all over the world save their families, get the passion back, and become best friends again. So if you want to see if we can help you do the same, head over to atouchofflavor.com forward slash talk. I'm Cassie. And I'm Josh. Let's talk soon.